about these little gifts that we have for you. It just says acceleration on the, on the front. It says it's a place to belong, a place to belong, and you are loved. We want you to know you're very important to us today. You're, you're a VIP here at Acceleration. That means you're very important to God, and you're very important to us. And so after church, we want to give you your gift um, because we care about your breath. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we want you to have your little packet of mints and your little first-time visitor gift. So if you would, you're going to turn in your card. You're here for the first time. You're going to turn in at the back where you see those little colored, um, what do you call them, bags, little gift bags? Right back there, Pastor Carolyn is going to be there right after church. Where is Pastor Carolyn? Oh, she's way over here in the corner. With the cube section, okay. So Pastor Carolyn will be back over there. And so if you'll turn in your card to her, she will um, exchange it for a special gift that we have for you. All right, make sure you write where I can read it so I can give you a call. I'm not going to be blowing your phone up, but I would like to just thank you for visiting with us. So, And it's, uh, that's your chance to let me pray with you or find out what's going on. Happy birthday to the man of God, Terry Landrum. <laughs> would you stand up? 60th birthday was that yesterday or is it today he's being all shy but 60 you need a trophy that's awesome can we sing happy birthday to terry he's the dad of how many eight children his daughter tamar is our praise leader and uh timothy is also their son is also one of our praise leaders so they have raised up a family full of of praise and worshipers, godly Amen. children. They, I mean, you. my hat off to you because there's, in, in a world where there are so many absent fathers, Amen. you have been there, you have been faithful, you've raised your children up, and uh, I, I applaud you, and I honor you, and I, I just think you're, you're just wonderful. And I'm just so honored that God set you here in, in this church with us, that we get to partake of your anointing and your goodness and watch your life. It's a blessing to us. So can y'all help me sing happy birthday to him? Now you got to stand up so we can honor you. Come on, stand up. Stand. Not, not us, the him. Him. Let him, let's let him stand up. Okay. And you know what's really cool is that he and his wife are both named Terry. Terry and Terry Landrum. Terry Denise and Terry Landrum, right? <laughs> All right, let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Terry. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Amen. Happy birthday. So y'all celebrated yesterday or are you celebrating again today? The next month or so. I heard that. For 60, you ought, to, you, you ought to celebrate. Amen. Well, happy birthday to you. All right. Are y'all ready for the word? Pastor Robert. Y'all messed up this moment. Uh, well, I didn't know it was your birthday on Wednesday. Happy birthday, Pastor Robert. Uh, we can't say enough about Pastor Robert and all that he does. Really, you just cannot say enough and honor you enough, man of God. He is my right hand. He is here doing whatever needs to be done. What did you do? Oh, this week he built the um, the walls for me. He and Yuri, the, I got two VIPs this week. Pastor Robert and Yuri came and built the temporary walls because we have two leadership development classes going right now. Ain't nobody mad but the devil. Glory to God. So we have our firm foundation class with Pastor Carolyn on Sunday mornings. And then we also have two leadership development classes. And within like the next... Ten weeks or so, we will have 
ministry development class. I'm so excited about ministry development. God is showing me that at Acceleration, we are going to raise up ministers, pastors, evangelists, apostles, teachers. We are, going to, we are going to raise people up here to do the work of the ministry. And, uh, you know, y'all are the ones who are supposed to do the work of the ministry. My job is to raise you up. Did y'all hear that? In the midst of all everything else that he does, he showed up and fixed her scooter for her. That's the real Jesus kind of stuff right there. I just love that God put people in our lives and in our church that we can keep our eyes on, we can watch and see. That's how you do it. Amen. He's a pattern of righteousness. Glory to God. Amen. Well, I'm excited about the word. So I was going to say, if you are not in leadership development, um, it, it, how many of you have not gone through firm found? You're in it. You're in it, though. I know you've already joined. I've seen there. Listen, if you have not been to firm foundation, you really cannot afford to not go. Really, your life. Alfred and Sylvia, could y'all just come real quick and, and just give a real quick popcorn testimony about what class has, how the classes have made a difference in your life? See, they got here about, what, two years ago? How long have you been coming? One and a half years. Yeah, they got there all in T-shirts when they got baptized. But they got in class right away. They really got in class and have gotten raised up. Now, how important is it? that you got here and got raised up before you got this report. The storms of life have just hit their life, right? Yes, but they've been careful to build their house, build their life on the rock of God's word. So you see them standing sturdy. They're not down here whining and crying and, oh, my God, all in their emotions. What am I going to do? This is not the time to fall apart. This is the time to stand on the faith that you've been taught and know that you're in a faith fight and to just stand and fight. So just say, just to talk about it, just real quick. Y'all are there to kind of that backdrop we're going to get ready to preach. Thank you Thank so you. much. So I want you to get in firm foundation because you don't know when the storms of life are going to hit your life. They're coming. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this life, you will have tribulations and, tr and sorrows and troubles and things that you never saw coming. But when you've built your house on the rock, you are stable. You're not thrown off. You don't get in your emotions, but you stand on the faith that you've been taught because you know something. Amen? Because you know the word of God. You can stand right through any test, right through any storm, right through any, any trauma, any drama, any of that. You can, you can, you can make it. Amen? All right, so that's why I want you to get it. The devil is going to be so upset that he ever let you make it that far. There will be warfare. She is my dear Ames sister under Dr. Hilliard and her husband. Come and stand this way so they can see how pretty you are. She's from Germany. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> so she has a beautiful accent. If you get a moment to speak with her, you should. She, and this is her daughter. It's not Melody. It's Destiny. Destiny, Destiny stand up and wave and just let everybody see how pretty she is. Yes. So, so Elgin's husband, Samson Rajkumar, um, has the 120 are in India. He has built 120 churches. I don't know how he does it, but he's got an anointing from God to do that. Wonderful one. Can y'all help me celebrate her one more time? All right. Well, let's make a faith declaration as we're ready to receive the word this morning. You ready? Y'all still got your rocks from last week? You've been focusing on God rolling them stones away. He's rolling those stones out of your way. Glory to God. Stuff is going on behind the scenes that you don't even know about yet. He's already gone before you, and he's doing stuff. Hallelujah. All right, so hold this up. Let's make this faith declarations. We're honoring the written word right now. We're honoring the word, and I want you to say this with me. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me 
to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on and slap three people high five and say, you better work it. You better work it. All right. Open up your note sheet. You've got a, a, a clipboard there on your seat so that you can write in the answers in the blanks from your note sheet this morning. I'm giving you all the scriptures that you'll hear this morning. You can take it home with you. It can become your study guide because, you know, the word faith does not come by what you heard. Faith comes to your life by what you hear on a continual basis. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, why do I need faith to come to me, Pastor Sally? Because this is the victory in in, uh, Revelation. It tells us this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. That's why you need to get a firm foundation. So you get the word in your life. So you've got faith to stand on the word when the storms of life come come um, and, and come against your life. When things don't go like you want them to go or like you thought they should go. You've got to know the word. And faith comes to you as you hear the word. You've got to hear it on a continual basis. The word is, you know, the truth. And the truth does what? It makes you free. Amen. We wear our bracelets. I took my bracelet off and didn't put it back on. But I have the tremendous fruitfulness bracelets in the back there where you get your first-time visitor gift. If you're here for the first time, grab one of those and put it on your wrist. Because how many of you know God wants your life to be fruitful? He did not call any of us to live a life that is void of fruit or void of, and and I'm talking about the fruitfulness of God in your life, the word working in your life. He wants you to live a victorious life. He came to give you a life that's um, in abundance to the full till it overflows. He came to give you a good life, but you have to, you know, know his word in order to do that, in order to have a fruitful life. You're chosen to have a fruitful life. So we've been focusing on that since the beginning of the year. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you, anointed you to bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So on the inside of the bracelet, it says chosen 2019. Because this year, I really want to drive home the point that you are chosen. You are here for much more than to just sit and breathe up air and go to work every day and come home and raise kids. And, and that's, you, are, you are here for much more. There is a spiritual purpose on the inside of each one of us. We all have an assignment from him. You're chosen to bear fruit. You're chosen for good works. Amen. And so we've been looking this month at uh, being about the father's business, about the father's business. And so um, we, we get that term from Jesus. They're the first, the first recorded spoken words of Jesus. The very first words that were written down uh, that Jesus said. Jesus was 12 years old when he said, I must be about my father's business. His parents had come in to do Passover. And after Passover was over, they were leaving Jerusalem to go back to where they lived in Nazareth. They got a day's journey out, realized Jesus wasn't with them, traveled another day's journey back to Jerusalem to look for him. They looked for him for a whole nother day. For three days, Jesus was missing. When they finally found him, Mary was like, son, why have you done this? We've been out of our mind. We've been terrified. What in the world? Why know that I must be 
about my father's business. Would you put a circle around must be? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Which brings us to our first point, which is Jesus purposefully focused on his assignment with a sense of urgency. Urgency is your blank. Fill it in there, the very first blank. Jesus purposefully focused. He was intentional about what he did. He focused on his assignment with a sense of urgency. There's, there was an urgency for him to get busy, and he sensed it and knew it all the way at 12 years old, even though it would be 18 years before he would turn 30 and he would actually step out into his um, full ministry. It was, he was 30 years old before he got baptized and went into the wilderness, was tempted of the devil, and came out and began to preach and heal people all over the place. It was 18 years, but he knew even at 12 that there's an urgency. There's, time is ticking. I've got to get busy about my father's business. And look at John 9, 4. He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So Jesus is saying, you better work it. I've got to be working this. He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night's coming. No one can work. When no one can work. So night's coming. Jesus is like, you know, the day is moving along here. I've got to get to work. Do y'all see that? And look at the definition of work. It's actively involving mental, spiritual, or physical effort to achieve a purpose or result. It's tasked to be undertaken, function, go, run, operate, labor. Jesus was about the Father's business, and he knew that there were some works that he had to do. Amen. Listen to the message translation. I love this. It says we need to be energetically at work. At what? We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the work day is over. So what I love about this scripture is the very first word. Would y'all put a circle around it? What's the first word? We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here. Jesus is saying, I got to work these works and I'm doing my part, but you all have a part to do too. Amen. So he's saying, we must do the work that he sent me to do. Because the same work that he sent Jesus to do, Jesus has sent us to do. Amen. All right. So he knew he only had a certain amount of time to finish what God had sent him. So it took incredible focus. How many of you know, if you're working with a deadline, you got to stay focused. Come on, you got to take a test. you got to do a report. you got, you know, this has got to be turned in on this day. When you're working with a deadline, you know you got to stay focused. So he knew that he had a certain timeline. So, so even when he'd finished with the day with the disciples, he would often retreat to a place by himself in the wilderness so he could spend some time with God. So he could get the download for the next day. I don't have any time to waste, God. What are we doing? Father, tell me what are, what are my marching orders for today? What are we doing? And we need to know that the, the, Jesus knew the clock was ticking. So every moment that he had, he had to get fresh revelation times of refreshing because when people are pulling on you and drawing on you you got to go get filled back up so you got something to give out so jesus was constantly getting away with god so that he could spend time with him and get a fresh download um, for the next day so number two jesus lived a life of power 
and authority. He lived a life of power and authority, and he was able to do it because he constantly was refreshing himself. You cannot give out to others if you are a dry desert. If there's nothing flowing in, you've got nothing to flow out. Y'all better hear me today. If there's nothing flowing in, you've got nothing to flow out. And God means for you to flow to others. So Luke 5, 16 in the message says, as often as possible. Would you underline that? As often as possible, Jesus withdrew to an out-of-the-way place for prayer. God is marching orders. You know, how do I get, I know all these things that you want me to do at those places where he knew he was going to have a divine appointment. He walked away. He was going to Jairus' house because he knew there was a woman with an issue of blood that needed to pull on the hem of his, of his clothes and stop him for a moment. He knew that. He, he strategically positioned himself where he needed to be for divine appointments because he'd been with God, spent time in his presence. So we have to get some wisdom for today. We got to spend time in his, in his presence so we get wisdom. God, what do you want me to do? Who, where do you want, where, where are my divine appointments today? Amen. So look, here's what Jesus did. Acts 10, 38, very familiar passage. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who sat around and played video games. <laughs> who sat around and watched the Kardashians. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God perfect control of his ministry. He was walking in the spirit, focused on his assignment, and he had his mind set on the higher things. He had his mind set on on, on uh, his purpose and why he was there. He constantly was saying, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost, which is our next verse, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I've always interpreted that scripture to think that it meant he came to seek and to save the lost. Pastor Robert. But he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost in the Garden of Eden? He said, have dominion. God gave dominion. He gave authority in the Garden of Eden. He gave it to mankind. He said, now go, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over everything except each other. Have dominion. And he sent them out. Of course, we know that the fall of mankind happened when they disobeyed God and sin and death entered and they lost their authority. Authority was given over to Satan. So Jesus came to get that back for you and me. That's what he's talking about right there. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we know we heard last week on the cross, he got it all back for us. Come on, say, he got it all. He got it all. So he gave us the authority, the dominion, and the rule, and the reign that we're supposed to have has been given back to us. You have been sent to the year 2019 to rule and to reign. You are not to sit here like a bump on a log. You are not to sit here and just gather, gather, gather and never give it out. I'm telling you, this year is a year of fruitfulness. I got to preach you up to another level. I got to preach your mind up. Preach yourself up and, and your self-esteem up. Preach, preach the lazy right out of you. Whatever it is. Preach it right out of you. This is a year that we are going to a level of fruitfulness. We're going to be focused on doing the things that Jesus said for us to do. See, we get so focused on ourselves. 
said we got no fruit. The real blessing is when I become a conduit for God to work in the earth. When I get the word of God in my heart and I can't, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I got to tell somebody else about Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be preaching a powerful gospel that's potent. Not watered down. My son is a chef. And uh, what, what's a reduction, Kenta? How's it concentrated? Simmers down until all the water's out of it, and it's potent, right? It's potent. In fact, you got to kind of cut it with some milk, or cut it with some. You got to cut it with some chicken, chicken, chicken broth, or something like that. I don't know nothing about cooking, but I know, I know I'm right. Amen. So it's so potent, but see, we cut it with the love of God. And we give it to people in a way that they can receive it. But it's the I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God for salvation. You got to repent from your sins. We people have to know. You know, we have made church. Jesus, I did not come to preach this, but here we go. He did not create a church for people to feel comfortable. He created a church. To tell you, you got to repent from your sins. You can't live the way that you lived when you came to God. See, we want people to think, oh, no, 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 you don't have to change. You stay just like you are. No, God loves you just like you are. He does love us just like we are. And he does accept us with all our faults and all our flaws and all our, our drama and our, all our mess. He takes us just like we are. But he wants to grow you up into the image of Christ so that you can begin to, 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 to um, live the life that's cleaned up, that's, that's in order. You know, the depression ought not have you down. You're a child of God. You've got to break from all that stuff and say, this is the year I am breaking out of cycles. I am breaking out of my own undisciplined self and habits that are keeping me going around the same old mountain. I've got to get to fruitfulness. Amen. I've got to preach the word of God to others. I've got to, you know, salt and light. If, if, if salt loses its flavor, what's it good for? Nothing but gravel, the Bible says. You might as well put it on the driveway and walk on it. Because if we lose our saltiness, Jesus said this would be the condition of of even the church in our day. It says it right in the word. People say, I wish I lived in Bible times. You are. We are living in Bible times. That's the condition. People, people won't endure sound doctrine. They, won't, they have itching ears. They want somebody to tell them what they want to hear. You know, we have to be so bold. You might not like what I'm saying, but it's what you need. I got to give you the truth so you can make a legitimate decision. Don't be afraid to pressure somebody with the truth. Truth is what's going to make them free. If we do not pet demons, stuff that's not going to... 1 John 3, 8. He says, for this purpose. He was always talking about his purpose. I came to get what had been lost. But look at this. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The Passion Translation. Has anybody seen the Passion Translation? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I almost couldn't get my sermon together for, for looking at the Passion Translation on every scripture the Lord gave me. But, but in the Passion Translation, it says, he says he came to, just, to, he might destroy the works of the devil. But in the Passion, it says to undo and destroy the works of the devil. 
So he came to undo everything that was, that was done in the Garden of Eden and to put things back right, to put you back in authority, to put you back on that throne, to make you back like you were originally intended to be. It's a spirit thing that he's done on the inside of us. we got to get revelation on it. All right, so number two, let's look at working it. We're about the Father's business. Now, you know, you better work it is the title of the sermon today. So let's look at working it. John 14, 12 through 14, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. See, it was the plan of God all along for Jesus to come in within three short years, set 12 men on fire, send them out so that they could get 12 more. And they could get 12 more. And they could get 12 more. Until we're the millions that we are, millions and billions of believers that we are right now to this day. So it was his will all along to, the, to, to impart to us the ability, the power, the influence, the authority that we would need to do the same works and keep his work going on. To do the same works. Y'all got quiet right there, but I know I'm right. We have some works. He says greater works. Then these will he do because I go to my father and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You got some asking to do. He put you here to rule and reign and ask, ask in his name. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Amen. So we've got some asking to do. If we sit in there playing video games, we're not asking. It's a spelling game. He he spells words on his phone like all the time. I'm just playing with you, babe. He loves that game. And it really, you know, helps him to kind of clear his mind and settle down and that kind of thing. So I understand. You might have a little game that you play on your phone. That's fine. But every now and then you've got to put it down and say, God, what do you want me to do? That's the first thing Paul asked when he had his road to Damascus experience. You know, when, when he was blinded and like, hey, he was going to kill Christians, but all of a sudden he's had a revelation of who Jesus is. The first thing he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? We need to ask him that question every day. Ask, ask, ask. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Lord, what do you want me to do today? He'll have to answer you. He said, I'll do it. He said, I'll do it. He said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. John fifteen sixteen. you didn't choose me. But I chose you and appointed, commissioned, and scheduled you that you might go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, we are not saved by these works. We're saved, we, we, we're saved by grace through faith. It's the only way to get saved is to accept the free gift of salvation. But we are saved to work. We are saved to work. Nobody gets a free ride. We are not on a cruise ship. I'm sorry if somebody lied to you and said that this is just going to be a breeze. It's not. You signed up for war. It is a battleship, and you've got to get yourself armored. You've got to get your armor on. Why would he give us armor if this was a cruise ship? He said, get your flip-flops and your tanning oil. But no, he said, take the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. Girt your, 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 yourself about with truth around your waist. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. A peace above all, take the shield of faith so you can quench all the what? 
fiery darts of the wicked one. You may stand in the evil day that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Come on, we're in spiritual warfare. You wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. you got to get dressed for war and start to fight. He put you here to fight. To do, he commissioned you. He scheduled you. He put you. He thought enough of you. You know, in a, in a relay race, they say the best runners for last. It's called the kick. You're the, he considered you to be the kick. You ought to feel really, you know, that God didn't choose you to be, be born in the dark ages or the middle ages, but he chose you for this hour and for this day, for this time in history, which I believe is the greatest time to be born right before the, the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all just sit like, like that ain't nothing. Y'all just sit there and look at me like that. I'm telling, that's a big deal. That's a real big deal. He chose us for this year, for this time, and for this season that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Whatever. There it is again. And there it is again. About this doing the works that God sent us to do. He said that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Do you see how that's a recurring theme? With our purpose and with our destiny? That we would be slipping away to a private place to talk to God. See, I'm convinced that on your job, it's not your boss you're dealing with. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not your, your co-workers that are blocking you. You are in a spiritual battle. And if you could slip away to a private place without unforgiveness in your heart, and say, God, I want you to bless that supervisor that's giving me a hard time. I ask you to bless their life. Whatever is bothering them or giving them a hard time, I ask you to fix it for them, God. I ask you, God, to have mercy on them. Anywhere that their their life is out of order with you, I ask you, God, to bring them back into order. I ask you to help that person. I ask you to bless their children, their lovely children. Bless them. Bless all of them. With no, with no awe in your heart, begin to pray for them. Begin to slip off to a place where you can get free from it because you don't want to get clogged up with unforgiveness. But you begin to pray and declare and to ask some things. Amen. All right, number one, do the, do the spiritual work of ruling and reigning. It's spirit work he's called us to do. Spirit work. It's spiritual work. Spirit work. Somebody say spirit work. It's the spiritual work of ruling and reigning that he's called us to do. It is work that we do in the spirit realm. It's transacted by our words, transacted by a sound. If you're not talking and you just pray in silently, you ain't praying, you're thinking about praying. You make a transaction in the spirit. When Michelle was praying this morning over Alfred, she was making a transaction in the spirit. When she said and spoke those things over him, she was transacting spiritual business. She was ruling and reigning over the spirit of cancer right here. Amen. She's a warrior because she's fought it. She had to learn how to fight it. She had to figure out. It's a moment by moment, day by day thing. God, show me how to win this battle. They wanted to cut her forehead off. No, you're not going to get my forehead. And she was crying on the carpet. She don't mind me telling. She said she was laying on the carpet, crying, snot everywhere. And she said, "You know, God, I, 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 I don't take my face. Why are you gonna take my face?" He said, "Stop seeking your face and start seeking my face." 
And that was the word she needed to start seeking God's face every day to get the download she needed every day to win the war, to rule and reign over cancer. God called us to rule and reign over the works of the devil, to rule over cancel, cancer, to rule over high blood pressure, to rule over lack and poverty, to rule, to rule over everything that the devil brings. He sent us to rule and to reign over it. But that means you got to spend some time with him. Get a rhema. Get, I mean, you, you can't believe how happy you'll get clicking your heels together when you get a rhema word from God. When he, that's a rhema word. When he said, seek my face and not your face. That's a rhema word that will carry you. It'll, it'll, it'll push you into the, the logos word, the written word of God, which will cause you to come out. It's like, it's like putting your hand in the sheep and coming out with the sword. Oh, you better back up, devil. You better back up. I'm taking territory today. Charge forward. Take that sword of the spirit and charge forward and take more territory. Amen? Taking territory from the devil. Hallelujah. Rule and reign. Rule and reign. So he undid the works of the devil and he gave us back our dominion and authority so we can rule and reign in the spirit. So if we're going to be successful, we have to follow his example and we have to work it. So we only have a certain amount of time to do what he's called us to do. There needs to be an urgency in our spirit about ruling and reigning. I don't have time for this today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over, over, the, I take authority over this traffic. I take authority, take authority over everything. Why? He's given it to you. The, t- the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. You only have a certain amount of time. We gotta, we gotta focus like the clock is running. <laughs> the clock is running. There's an urgency in my spirit to to get this information to you. Come on and get it today. Come on and hear it. The clock, I love this, you all my authority to trample over his kingdom, over the kingdom of the devil. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power that Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Y'all, that was really good. That was really good. And that's in, in that um, Passion Translation. Read it with me, y'all. Read it with me. I want your ears to hear you say it. So come on, read. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. He wants you to rule and reign. He wants you to walk in the authority he worked so hard to get back for you. All right, number two. So what was number one? Do the work of what? All right, number two. Do the work of transformation. Do the work of transformation. It's so easy to get swept into our culture. We have culture at our doorstep and at the doorstep of our minds 24-7. Through the power of social media, the culture of the world, through the power of television, through the power of the Internet, the culture of the world is, at, is, is right on us all the time. We were not sent here to conform. You were not sent here to conform, but to rule in his place. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, look at it in the NIV. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, look at verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be what? But be what? 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means the spiritual transaction of the word going into me. The spiritual transaction of the word. My ears hearing the word of God transforms me. Not only does it transform me, but it transforms my situation. Why? Because the Bible lets us know that we are created and designed by God. That as we fill up in our hearts, our spirits, as we fill up, whatever is in us is going to come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as you renew your mind, you transform your thinking and whatever you're thinking how many of you know that's what's going to come out of your mouth glory to god colossians 3 2 it says set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above the heavenly things not on things that are on the earth which have only temporal value see we got to get this mindset that it's about more than just these years that i that, that i live this is an eternal work that we're doing eternal amen And then the Passion Translation says this. I love it. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm. Fill all your thoughts with royal priesthood. God's only, his own special people. His own peculiar people. We're different. We stick out like a sore thumb. Amen. What was number one? Number two? Number three, do the work of living by faith and not by your will run you right out of faith. Your feelings will mess you up. You are not, you are not sent here to live by feelings, but we're sent here to live by faith. Amen. So it's a work. It's a work to make sure that I ignore my feelings and I focus on faith. So don't let feelings control your life. We're, we're created in three parts. Amen. We're created in God's image and in his likeness. God is three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? We're created in three parts. I am a spirit. That's who I am. At my very core, that's who I am. I will go on and live forever as a spirit being. I'm a spirit being sent from the heavenly realm, born in a body. So I am a spirit. I live in a body and I have a soul. That is my mind, my will, my intellect, my emotions. That's the area uh, of uh, where, where I think. So I have to not let my, that's where your feelings are, is in your soul. See, your soul and your spirit run real close together. Your soul is to your spirit what your brain is to your body. So your soul and your spirit run really close together. And the only thing that can slip between the two is the word. The word is alive and powerful and able to separate between the soul and the spirit. It's the thing, see, you're in your feelings. You know, the, the Bible says in my flesh dwells no good thing. And if I live in my feelings, how many of you know I might feel like, well, I just don't form you the ability to believe. He's given to each one the measure of faith. So I'm going to live by that faith and not by my feelings. Feelings are important. They alert me and let me know when there's a problem. They let me know when there's an issue so that I can handle it in the spirit. Rule and reign from the spirit in me. Amen. Not by my flesh and not by my feelings. So look at Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. I don't think he's talking about your guts or your liver. I mean, he did form all of that. But I think what he's talking about here is your inward parts, your heart, your spirit, the part of you that is able to get in faith and be that partner with God like Abraham was. 
Amen. He's given each one enough faith to be a partner with God in the earth. So you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden for you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, I love this part. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. God has a book in heaven where you're the lender and not the borrower, where the grace of God chases you down and comes upon you. There's a page in your book where you're healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. There's a page in your book where God has got good things in store for you. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I put them all down in a book. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. God has put all of that in a book with your name on it. But you've got to rule and reign and rise up and say, God, I want the book today. I want it happening today. Your will happen in my life today. Glory to God. So the framework of man is spirit, soul, and body. And with that, within that framework, he put faith. So we're partners with God. Been done. Challenge and opposition means you're on the right track. When you get in your feelings and start saying, well, why is this not working? And why is that not working? You're under attack. Opposition means you're on the right track. Have you considered my servant Job? Ha, he's righteous in all his ways. He, he serves me and he would never sin with his mouth. And he went through all kind of stuff. It was about what he was doing right, not about what he was doing wrong. So when you come under attack, it's about what's going right in your life. It's about who you are as a child of God. You're going to have challenges. It, mean, it doesn't mean you're off track. It doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. It means you're in exactly the right place. Amen? And that that means it's time to rise up and to rule and reign, get God's word in your mouth and start to speak it. Amen? Amen. All right. So uh, number one was what? Help me preach, y'all. Number two? Number three? What was that? I didn't hear you. Faith instead of feelings, okay? Number four, do the work of speaking out what you say. You're going to start watching what you say. Proverbs 18, 21, you can probably quote it with me. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will do what? Eat its fruit. So the fruitfulness that you're experiencing in your life right now is a result of the words that you spoke on yesterday. So if you want to change tomorrow, we start speaking God's word over tomorrow. Amen? Listen to this. If you don't get anything else today, get this one statement. Angels and demons are both listening. What comes out of my mouth determines... Let's let's say that again. Angels and demons are listening. They're both listening. They're, They're both ready to go to work. What comes out of my mouth determines which spirit responds. Angels hearken to the voice of the Lord, or to the voice of the word. When you speak the word, angels are at your command. When you speak God's word, you're going to get the result of you're going to get the result of the word because the word doesn't return void. It goes out and it will accomplish the things that he sent that, that the reason that he sent it for. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word. He sent his word to prosper us. He sent his word. Amen. You know, I heard about a couple, um, a Christian couple, and the husband was just being stubborn about a situation. You know, and the and and uh, the wife got upset about it. And uh, it caused a huge argument. And they began to, to fight and uh, uh, argue about this situation. 
And uh, the husband was the one who was being stubborn about it. He was probably more at fault in the situation. And so he went to bed with his stubborn self and his wife laying there next to him and went to sleep. And he woke up. The Lord woke him up and showed him standing at the foot of his bed was a demon spirit of strife. He said it was the ugliest thing you and by the words of your mouth, you could you give them a legal right to come in and mess up your life. And, and the Lord said to him, he said, do you see what you let in your house with your mouth? You didn't just let him in. You opened the door and been backbiting the body with what's happening. You know, if you're, if you're, if it's your kids and you say to your kids, you know, man, he's on my last nerve. You know, he ain't never going to get it right. You just invited the demon up. He ain't never going to get it right to come in. All my children are taught of the Lord. They're blessed. They go out with joy. They led forth by peace. They hear the voice of God and they will not follow the voice of the stranger. Those are the words that you ought to speak. It's the exact opposite of what you see him doing. But you speak God's word as if it were so. Ooh, I know I'm right. Matthew 16, 19. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven in the spirit realm. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That is called, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world bondage. Wow. So that's the fight that you're in. Your fight is not with your coworker. Your fight is not with your boss. Your fight is not with your spouse. You're, you are fighting spirits in the heavenly realm. And so we need to uh, get in, involved in spiritual warfare and, and take up when you tell them, when you bind it, they have to obey your voice. You're a child of God. He's given you his blood. He's given you his word and he's given you his name. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These signs will follow those who believe. You speak the name of Jesus over that situation. If you could see how demons run in terror when you speak the name of Jesus. They're terrified of the name of Jesus. Why? They must obey it. But you got to know. You can talk the name of Jesus all day long, and if, you, if, if they know you don't know, you've got to be in real faith when you speak those words and say, in the name of Jesus, I bind you and cast you out. Yeah. And you've got to know, they, you, devil, you must obey my voice. It's kind of like with your children. When you tell them, go to your room, what does that mean? Does it mean stand there and argue? Do they know that they're going to get the wrath of mama? If they don't go to their room, especially when you say, go to your room now. So you can use words like that. Devil, I command you to go now, right now, and say this. I forbid you to return. I love that word. I forbid you to return. You will not come back. Amen. All right. Do the work of spiritual warfare. All right. First Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him resist him steadfast in the faith see i'm so convinced that we get under attack and and we just whine about what's going on and invite more of it you can be pitiful or powerful but you can't be both pick one i'm not going to be pitiful i've come too far to stand here and be pitiful now (laughs) amen but i'm going to be powerful so he says resist the devil and he will flee Take up the whole armor of God and then outlast your opponent. Did you know that demons can get tired? If you're getting tired, they're getting tired. 
All you got to do, and the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall change and renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagle. One translation says they'll renew their spiritual, mental, and physical strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. You ever seen an eagle? They just get on a current of air and just soar high above everything. They have a different vantage point. And they're not flapping. They just soar. They got the wingspan is so big from here to over yonder that they, they just soar. See, God says you get a new strength when you wait on him. But you know what? Devils don't have that. Devils don't have that fresh strength. They only have a limited uh, supply of strength, and they get tired. Look at Matthew 12, 43. You're like, how do you know demons get tired? Here it is right here. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking what? What? If he didn't get tired, why would he need rest? And finds none. So... You just got to outlast your opponent. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. You just continue to stand in faith. All right, and then our final point is this. Do the work of remaining. We got a cell phone, a a mobile device that can make it happen. Help me. Right now. It it can make it happen right now. We can go through the drive-thru and we can have it our way right now. See, we live in a right now society, in a right now world that's ready. We demand things right now. 20 years for Abraham's promise to come. 20 years for Sarah's promise to come, but they were patient and it finally came. So you got to be patient. Look, James 1, 4, it's a work. Being patient is a work. Look, look what it says here. But let patience have its perfect, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete Lacking nothing. When you can get patience working, God is saying you'll be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. Patience is a huge part of faith. Scripture teaches us. Joseph thought you better just keep on waiting. And, 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 and get that new strength from God to be patient and to just keep waiting because patience is a huge part of faith. How many of you know Joseph finally, Pharaoh called for him and it was a more opportune time. Because Pharaoh needed somebody to interpret his dreams. Pharaoh didn't need him. He could have gotten out and gone where? Not into destiny, not into the miracle that God had prepared for him. God was rolling stones behind the scenes for him, giving Pharaoh dreams that, 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 that Joseph was going to be able to interpret for him. So when he called for Joseph, Joseph was grown by this time. Those last 10 years, those last two years had a way of, of perfecting the patience in him. And every time Joseph went to another level, when he got thrown into the pit, the boys took his coat off of him. When he got uh, thrown into prison... Well, uh, Potiphar's wife took his, his, his garment off of him. She held on to his garment. He fled with no garment. So people were always taking his garment. But when the two years were finally up, and it was time when Pharaoh finally called for Joseph, it says, Pharaoh, uh, uh, it says Joseph changed his clothes. Joseph was mature by this time. See, in the, in the waiting time, God's doing something in you. He's going to make it so perfect when that thing manifests for you. When it's time for you to step over into it, it will be perfectly suited for you. All the players would be there. See, Joseph couldn't step out till all the players were there, till everything was just right, till the, the famine was going to be right on time when, when everybody would have to come and, and uh, see him feasting at the Lord's table, when his brothers who threw him in the pit. It all had to be right on time that the brothers would come when he'd be in, 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 in his ruling position that he always knew that he would be. It was all set, all set up behind the scenes, but he had to wait. He had to learn to be patient. So let patience have its perfect work. And patience is hard. It's a huge part of it. But, but uh, look at this. From, they come out of the What happens is you practice patience. 
you practice patience. If you could just adjust yourself standing in that line at the post office, it is never fun going to the post office. Or wherever it is that you get out of order and get out of patience and step out of your patience is intentional. I'm going to settle myself down, and I'm going to be, start practicing patience. It will become lifestyle to you. And that's good news. It becomes lifestyle to you. And, you know, I used to be the most impatient person in the world. I was horrible. I talk fast. I walk fast. Uh, I, I think fast. I do everything fast. I just do. And I, it has taken me years to get the revelation that everybody's not on my same speed. And that I've learned to slow down. And you know what? I'm a happier person. I still think fast. I still do things fast. You know, I still do, I still am like that, but somehow God has worked patience into me to where I'm not tripping. If somebody is like five steps behind me, come on. I'm, I'm enjoying, he's orchestrating a masterpiece. Psalm 37, 7 says, what rest in the Lord and wait, what? Patiently for him. Psalm 43, 5, then I will say to my soul, what I love about David is that he was talking to himself right here. Then I will say to my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed, for I fully expect my Savior God to break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. His, his word will not return void. Amen? Isaiah 55, 11, so shall, the words, so shall the words that come out of my mouth not come back to me empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them, so you'll go out with joy. You'll be led into a whole, complete life. Job was patient. And he, at the end of his life, was the best of his life. The Bible says his ladder was greater, that God restored double to Job's life because he was patient. Abraham was patient and got his promise. Joseph was patient, got the promise in the end. Ruth was patient. Amen. Ruth was patient and let God restore everything back to her life and more that had been lost. So if we'll be patient, if you can be patient, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll reap. You'll, you will reap a reward if you don't give up. Amen. And Lord, we just ask you to help it grow to full maturity, that we would grow um, into f having fruitful lives and become all that you've called us to be, Lord God. We want to slam the door on all the old habits and all the old things that we've ever done that has led to a, um, the areas of our life that are fruitless. So God, we're asking you to help glorified with our life. We want you to be not right with God. Ask Jesus, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I changed my surroundings, why God wanted to change the inside of me. And I, the outside needed to match what he'd done on the inside to become a new creature, a new creation. So I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but there's some people hanging around in your life that do not have your answer. Their mouth ain't right. There's somebody with a filthy mouth around you that vexes your righteous, I believe. The third day, come in and, and um, you've got to begin to get the word of God. I just need you to, it's offering time. Strongly recommend right from the, y'all ready to confess? Well, y'all wake up. Y'all sleep or what? Come on, wake up. We're about to confess God's word. Ready? Here we go. Come on, Father, in Jesus' name, today is the dawning of a new day. My season of frustration and lack is over, and I'm walking in a season of love, joy, peace, success, overflow, and prosperity. My love for you, relationship with you, and sensitivity to you is growing closer every day. I declare that favor for wisdom, for promotion is mine now. You're opening doors for me that no man can shut. Thank you, Father, for watching over your word to perform it in my life. It's causing my life.
life to prosper. I'm in anticipation of the good things you have prepared for me. I am blessed to be a blessing. So as I increase more and more, Father, open my eyes to see ways that I may bless others. I'll be quick to see the need and respond to your voice. Because you have planted Acceleration Church here, Humble, Texas is experiencing revival. I decree that the Spirit of God is drawing multitudes here from the north, south, east, and west. People are responding to your presence, power, and purpose for their lives. We declare that people of all ages, backgrounds, and ethnicities are being impacted forever. Come on, say it in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen. The ushers are finished. We're going to pray, and we'll be dismissed. Y'all, it was a great day. It was so good. Y'all, thank you for everyone being here. Really a blessing. So glad. Y'all, follow up on the people you invited on Easter that came and, and uh, invite them to come back again. Amen? Yeah. It's, it's, um, 